Our good friends at Johnny-O welcome you to this episode. Now, the iconic Johnny-O clothing brand logo of the surfer and his longboard first caught my eye several years ago, but it's the signature Johnny-O style where West Coast meets East Coast prep that truly changed the game for me, and I've been wearing Johnny-O ever since. And now our listeners can use promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order at johnny-o.com. That's 20% off the regular price. Price at johnny-o.com. Use the promo code RICHTAKE at checkout for 20% off your first order. Exploring the impact of sports. Welcome, Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Having conversations and hearing personal stories from those who have been impacted built and inspired by the role of sports in their lives here's your host here's your host richmond weaver this is episode 123 thanks for being an investor by investing your time to listen success in all walks of life require a certain mindset and discipline to push yourself when no one is looking And Rennie Curran has adopted that mindset of always being in training camp, regardless if that's on the football field or in the business world. Before Rennie became an author, keynote speaker, podcast host, and the CEO of Game Changer Coaching, where he helps business professionals and elite athletes reach their fullest potential through personal development workshops and one-on-one coaching, he was an All-American linebacker at the University of Georgia, playing three years and became the 97th overall draft pick by the Tennessee Titans after declaring for the NFL draft his junior season in 2010. His book, The Perspectives of a Young African-American Athlete, was released when Rennie was just 23 years old in 2012, and he was recently elected into the Gwinnett County Hall of Fame and the Georgia-Florida Hall of Fame. Here's episode 123 with Rennie Curran. Rennie? Yes, sir. Thank you, man. Oh, yeah. I greatly appreciate it. I know it's been a while. We've been trying for I know, right? <laughs> a long yeah. time. Seriously. But since then, I mean, you've had some big things going on. Yeah. Hall of Fames, Gwinnett County Hall of Fame, Georgia versus Florida Hall of Fame. I, I need yeah. to touch you, man. You've got some <laughs> magic going on right I don't know now. what it is, man. It's, it's crazy. All I can say is God is good. And God I'm, is definitely good. Yeah, man. I, I'm... You know, I'm blessed. I'm just taking it one at a time. I'm walking in uh, whatever it is that he throws my way and just trying to maximize it. That's what I've always tried to do. That's what my parents did when they came to this country. And, um, you know, just, just walking in that. When you say come to this country, so let me hear the story of yeah, yeah, how yeah. they came to this country. For sure. So my mom uh, came here on scholarship to Emory, and that was kind of her ticket here was just getting that opportunity through education. And uh, she was a nurse in Liberia and uh, went to college there and uh, got her master's in, in nursing at Emory. So that's how we ended up in Atlanta. It was between here and Duke, actually. So she was a brain. Yeah, of and, course. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, she told me plenty of stories, you know, just how hard she worked, putting her feet in cold water to stay up, study, like not knowing a way around, but figuring it out. And then um, my dad, while she was in school, he was uh, he worked for the uh, government in Liberia and they had him actually stationed in Germany. And so he was up there uh, basically learning. I mean, their, their whole mission at that time was to send the, the youth, or, or the next generation out to, you know, different systems to learn and then come back and pour back into the country. So he was in Germany. Um, and then once uh, my mom finished with her master's, 
the civil war broke out in Liberia, in Liberia. And so he leaves from Germany. My oldest sister was in Liberia as well, too. So they both came over here, dad and oldest sister. And uh, that's how we ended up staying in Atlanta. So they basically, being the oldest in their families, their mission at that time was just to help uh, everybody back home to come here and start a whole new life. So uncles, aunts, uh, everybody who became refugees during the war, because over 200,000 people lost their lives. Yeah, they, they just kind of became the breadwinners for their families. Have they talked much about how hard that was to come to America? I mean, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they talk about it all the time, but it's kind of one of those things where you just kind of do it. I mean, that's the immigrant story, right? You, that's you right. You leave and you come for, to find opportunity and, you know, you either end up staying or you end up, you know, staying here for a, a portion of time and you go back home. But yeah, they, they definitely talked about it. I, I saw it firsthand, um, you know, because my mom finished up around 80, 87. I was born in 88. And so those were like my earliest memories of seeing their sacrifices and, you know, seeing uh, just my cousins, uncles, aunties come to the country and, and uh, them start a new life, them getting acclimated to the culture here. Because that's a big change, you know. It has not only, to be. Not only you changing locations, like you're changing just way of life, just um, the little things, fast food. I mean, all those little <laughs> things that you Things know, we take for granted. Yeah, things that you don't even really think about become like a, you know, it's just a shock. And so seeing them... Uh, navigate through all that is is amazing because they still have the thick accent and just all the the customs and things that they're um, that they're used to and then for me growing up here it was like a transition for me because I'm going to school and experiencing you know American culture and American school systems and all that but I come back home and it's like I'm in Liberia when I'm home so it's like how difficult was that it it was uh it was enlightening man it was it was tough because you saw how your friends operated and kind of how they saw things but you know, and you have to learn how to adjust and, and be around them. And then when you come home, you know, there's certain things that they do <laughs> that you dang sure don't do at home. Like, now, name some. What, I what's mean, some just like talking back or just, uh, and you no know, disrespect to, yeah, just, <laughs> in the uh, house. I mean, it, it was basic things, doing chores, you know. Um, but there, then there were like certain Liberian customs um, that still are with me to this day. Um, little things that really sustain you. I mean, things like speaking to people, you know. That's like a sign of major disrespect if you don't speak to somebody, especially if they're an elder. You know, you just introduce yourself. Like, those are things where, like, staples of uh, Liberian culture. And then, um, you know, just little it, it's little nuances of things that you don't say. And it, it was funny because that, that was the toughest thing is when you're a child and you don't know these things. And then you say it or you do it. And then your grandparents are like, you know, like, oh, yeah. you don't they ever do that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one was, is, like, if your grandparents come to your house to visit, because my grandparents would come every six months to my parents' house, and then uh, if I asked them, when are you leaving? Like, that was gross. That was disrespectful. Really? Like, and it, they would say, like, oh, you, 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 mu- you must want me to leave now. Why are you asking me when I'm leaving? Like, <laughs> you're just no, making I'll, conversation. Yeah, I'm just asking you how long you're going to be here, how much time we have to spend together. But <laughs> for them, that was, like, disrespectful. <laughs> Cause like you basically saying, oh, you need to hurry up and leave, like you know. You see, so it's just like those different cultural things that you don't you learn over time, uh, and then they have all types of sayings that uh, you know uh, in Liberian culture that you just kind of learn, um, you know, over time that are so funny now and just ways that they say certain things because it's like a broke the main the main language is English, but it's like a broken English because Liberia was formed from free slaves. 
So it would be like certain things my mom would say that's like, what? what is she? Why she always say that? <laughs> and then right. you realize like it was just another, like it was an American word, but it was just the way she pronounced it. Like, I'll give you a perfect one, like mihis. Mihis. Uh, I don't know that. It's just make haste. Make haste. Yeah, like hurry up. Hurry up, let's go. So she always be like, mihis, mihis. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> we be like, all right, mom. And so it, you learn that it's, it's hurry up. Like she's telling you to get going, like get out of bed or whatever it is. But then eventually, like when I was 18, I'm like, oh, that's what she was saying, make haste. <laughs> and that's like old, you know, English language. Like hurry up. So yeah, just little things like that. Uh, little, little sayings as well, too. Like if you, if you don't, if you don't hear, you will feel. Like, that's a Liberian. If you don't hear, if you don't listen, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it. Yeah, yeah. There's going to be some discipline yeah. coming, so, right? Yeah, all those little things, man, it just gives you little bits and pieces. Well, that had to shape you tremendously. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just seeing what your parents went through and just their culture and yeah. learning all of that, that had to shape you in oh, yeah. so many different ways. Yeah, it gives, it gives you a different appreciation for just, you know, any opportunity that you get, you know, you know, just when you step into any situation, any environment, and I, I tell people all the time, one of the toughest things being an African-American in this country is the fact that you're sitting in school. And one of the first things you learn is that you came here as a slave. You know what I mean? Like, what does that do to your identity? What does that do to, like, your motivation? If you're, Your confidence. Your confidence, yeah. Your self-worth, your value. But learning that um, my parents, the culture, that my great-grandfather was a chief, he built his own village. You know, it just changed my narrative. Powerful, right? It's empowering. Is, yes. Instead of disempowering and, and uh, you know. So that, all those things really shaped and molded me to, to look at myself differently. And when it came to sports, you know, I didn't just look at myself as an athlete. Um, so that's yeah, where much it all more than started. That. Right, right, right. Because it I wasn't mean, that, that's not your identity. Right. But I know that's got to be tough too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it was a challenge, like, um, just navigating that whole world and understanding the, the stigmas attached to being an athlete. Um, and just what kind of what people kind of expect from you because when you're in that world, especially in the South, when you're a football player, especially people expect that that's all you you do, that's your identity, that's you know, and the culture re uh, research that and um, uh, encourage you. Got a hundred thousand fans on a Saturday, yeah. cheering for you or right. booing you, right, 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 and because of what you're doing out on the field, yeah. not so much of what the person. Right. Rennie Curran is. Exactly. Because they don't know the person. Yeah. They, yeah, they so, think they do. Right. But they yeah. just don't. Now, have you ever been back? Or oh, have yeah. you gone to Le- uh, yeah, Liberia? Yeah, to Liberia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the most powerful things that I did, man. Uh, what was so powerful about it? Just, I mean, you hear so many stories and, you know, you are able to learn about your culture, but it's nothing like experiencing it. So when we landed there and I touched down and even before we landed, like just seeing the coastline and, um, the vegetation and, and just the it's right off the west coast of, of africa so the beauty of it man when you touch down it was hot don't get me wrong <laughs> but the, the beauty man and just seeing people who like you feel like you're at home it's like everybody there looks like they could be your aunt your uncle and just having that that new experience of uh being in a new environment but knowing that it's your home it's where you know you originated from it's where your history lies and then being able to see all the, the places that uh, are relevant to like, you know, me and my existence, like where my parents met, where my grandparents, great grandparents are buried, wow. the village that they built. I mean, all it was powerful, man, when when I got there and I, and I got to see all these things live and just, you know, you see what they built and yeah, your what lineage. made them, yeah, what made them who they are and like, which makes me who I am. It was just like, wow, the, the respect I have for my parents, I like, grew tremendously when I saw 
um, not just, especially where I saw my dad came from, like what he's overcome, it was powerful. Like my dad was um, basically single parent, you know, grandmother was, uh, uh, she had a major accident where she lost her left leg. And so dad didn't know his father till he was 30 and uh, um, grandmother, his mom was adopted by Irish missionaries, taken in, was a nurse as well. Midwife who rode around on horseback delivering babies in like a remote village. And we got to go there and like see it firsthand. And my dad was one of those who he grew up one shirt, his whole high school, you know, educational experience, um, just worked extremely hard, man, and, and overcame all types of circumstances, was, was physically abused, I mean, all types of stuff. And uh, to see like where he came from and like, now it's just like wow my dad you you man like great job and i i had no excuses and just to see people there who were still there who were strong who were appreciative who were thankful who were you know living down by faith and um it was awesome man like i i was i was just blown away just how you know people had no concept of social media and certain things you know the houses that ran on the generator just a different um, way of life. Just a different way of life. Yeah, so simple, but yet people were fulfilled. They're happy. Family was at the forefront. Yeah. It was about the village. It was, it was, you know, you trust that person uh, next door to you, and you depend on them. If they if they see your kid slipping up, you know, <laughs> you like got a whole parents. village of yeah. community that's there to yeah. also help discipline everybody. Right. Not to say discipline, but you know, let's let's. Mm-hmm. behave in a respectful way yeah. with everybody because that's how the community will get along. And right. I know we've lost that mm-hmm. uh, in society today. Uh, just from the aspect as you're talking about, you know, watching over neighborhood kids. I right. remember growing up, mm-hmm. I'm 48 years old, so you know, right. I'm, I'm a child of the 70s and 80s. And mm-hmm. I mean, we would play outdoors all day long. Yeah. And it was no question that if we were out of eggs, I could go over to the neighbor and ask, right. hey, do you have any eggs right, that we right. can borrow? Yeah. Now, I don't even know all my neighbors in my neighborhood. Right. Nobody even comes out and just, yeah. I it's, know. Uh, yeah, it's, it's really sad, that aspect of it. But, yeah, when I went there, that was, everything was close knit. You could tell everybody knows everybody, and everybody depends on each other. And, uh, yeah, it, it was very eye-opening. Did that give you more appreciation for everything that you've oh, yeah. done so far yeah, in your yeah. life? I mean, every little thing, man. I still remember one specific moment. I'll talk about this when I go on and uh, deliver my uh, presentations. But in the midst of uh, when we went out and were celebrating at my mother's village, uh, there were about 50 yards away, there's probably 30 kids who were running around playing soccer. And these kids, I mean, they were running around. They couldn't have been more from like from five to 10 years old, but they're running around, some were barefoot, some had flip-flops, the goalie had like latex gloves. I'll never forget that. He was covering the goal and he, I mean, you couldn't have told him anything. He like, he felt, and just his body language said, I'm in the World Cup right now, <laughs> but he's got his latex gloves and just like, man, you can't tell him anything. He's a pro. He was. Yeah, and so they're running around, man, celebrating. They're, they're just like any kid, man living out their dreams. One kid scored a goal and they're, they're ripping out their shirts, like just <laughs> celebrating, man. And, and like, I look at them kids, man. And I'm out, like I said, 50 yards away. I'm like, man, wow, that could have been me. You know, the only difference between me and them is like, my mom came here, got a scholarship and you know what I mean? So 
when I came back from that uh, experience, it just like, you know, I got no reason not to strive. Like I got no no excuse whatsoever. And I still wake up every single morning and I see them. And like one of my ultimate goals is to one day build a facility where a kid like that, because I, I know as talented as they were, some of them had APAC, some of them, you know, as fast could be, could, could be the next, you know, Ronaldinho, whoever. Um, but to have the opportunity that most of them will never have that, you know, they'll never be discovered. By the time they're 10 years old, 11 years old, they're having to help their parents, you know, to fund the household. Yeah, for like the family. To grow up. Yeah, and so to be able to one day go back there, build a facility that's state-of-the-art, that they can get training, that they can get that education, and they can basically do what I was able to do, what I was able to get access to do, to go to the University of Georgia or they can go to Europe, get a scholarship, and they can come back and do the same exact thing. Like, that's that's what wakes me up in the morning, one of my... That's what's driving you right now. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that, that drives me, man, is uh, to be able to one day do that. And I know it's going to happen. I got no doubt in my mind. Um, you know, I feel like God gives us those visions for a reason. Like, he puts certain things in your heart for a reason. And he gives you a certain platform for a reason. So when I look at it that way, I'm like, man, maybe that's why I was able to achieve. Maybe that's why I made it to the NFL was for, to experience that moment and uh, to be able to one day do that. You know, and not only there, but so many other places. I think sports is such a, a powerful platform, man. Uh, especially when you look at those this, the third world countries. Uh, a lot of a lot of times, that's uh, ticket out, man. Is right. is an athletic ability or is the ability to entertain? And as unfortunate as it is, but that's the world that we live in. And you know, and I view that what you just talked about—that sports as an avenue, as a far as far as a way out—and mm-hmm. a way out doesn't mean playing professional. No, uh, it can just be that sports was your safe haven. That's mm-hmm. the way it was for me. Oh, yeah, it was my sure. escape. Right, uh, right, right. I never knew my biological father and my. Mm mom and stepdad were alcoholics so right. sports was where i found acceptance camaraderie mm-hmm. right. and discipline to a certain degree and obviously the hard work and all of the cliches that go with it so right, right. a lot of times you can learn that learn those things through sports because mm-hmm. then that gives you the drive to make it out yeah. to go do something uh, to change your right. family history rather right. than and I, obviously i know from a professional standpoint mm. financially it can change but there's right. also just the mentality of not falling in the same trap yeah and, and trying to do something a little bit different and i think you can learn a lot from sports and yeah i know you've obviously learned a lot through sports when do you remember first mm. gravitating towards sports though yeah it was, it was early so my mom uh we grew up uh right off of nursery hills before highway uh, for those who are listening from Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, but my first earliest experience was right in the neighborhood in apartments, just playing with the older kids, uh, playing pickup football, playing at birthday parties. Uh, and then first time really grabbing, gravitating towards organized sports was when we moved to Gwinnett. Because before that, it was kind of just recreational. I was a Boys and Girls Club kid. I went to the Boys and Girls Club, Metro Atlanta. And uh, that's where I started to learn, you know, what I was good at and what I wasn't good at, you know, especially <laughs> basketball. I was hor- horrible oh, at you basketball. <laughs> now, basketball, that's my sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It, it was rough. But um, once we got to Gwinnett, that's when I joined the Brookwood uh, Community you know, Football League. Um, Gwinnett County, man, and it, it was serious stuff. I mean, 
Yeah, what'd your parents say about it? Because I mean, were they familiar with American football? Nah, they they didn't know anything <laughs> whatsoever. That that was uh, I still see this day think about that moment because my mom being a nurse, yeah, like that's the last thing she wanted <laughs> me to do was you got to go hit somebody. Yeah, like you know, just hitting hit each other. She's like, you sure you want to do this? Like, you sure? She was the type where, like, if I cough loud or something, she's like, oh, you sick? We got to get, you know, she's medicated <laughs> already. So that was, like like I said, the last thing she wanted to do. But, uh, yeah, I was super persistent. Like, I, I was super stubborn when I was young, hard-headed. So when I made my mind up about something, like, I wasn't going to stop until I, I got it. And I was the only boy. So they were very lenient, lenient because of that. I, got, I had two older sisters. And then my mom actually took in her younger sister. Uh, as well, so my my aunt, the youngest aunt, lived with, with us as well. So what was, was the age differences between all of you then? So um, me, it was me. I was, uh, and then my oldest sister was like a year older, year and some change. And then um, oldest sister was, she was like seven years older than us. Okay, so that's the big gap there. Yeah, big gap there. And then my aunt, who was like nine years older than us. So, yeah, that was definitely a guy. They were like our moms when our mom went around. They probably took care then, of you. Oh, yeah, yeah. They definitely cleaned, cleaned a lot of my diapers. So, <laughs> yeah. But uh, it was it was tough. My dad was always working. He worked in the shoe repair business uh, out in Kennesaw. So, he used to drive from, you know, around here in Atlanta to Ottawa. That's a long drive. Long drive, man. Every day. 12 hours of uh, uh, working a day. And uh, working in the mall, in Townsend Mall. And, um yeah, so I was stuck in the house with women nonstop. So when it came to, you know, getting out and uh, playing sports, that was my, like you said, safe haven, my outlet. And um, finally, it was like once I joined the team, it was like I had brothers. And my Little League coach, who was like one of the best coaches I had, just really made it, us believe, taught us so many lessons, had a great uh, assistant coaching staff. Uh, but one of the most powerful things he did for me was uh, and he took me in like a, like a son. You know, when my parents were working uh, nonstop, him and, and a few other the assistant coaches would pick me up every single day. But uh, me and his son, uh, his son was JT, uh, who played quarterback. I ended up playing running back, and we pay, we became like best friends. And so I'll go over to the house all the time and we'd go on vacations with him. I mean, like home away from home. Yeah, home away from home, man. That was that. Their house became my escape too. And um, he took me to my first Georgia game. One who introduced me to all the traditions. And I still remember, like, sitting on the sidelines, learning to, to cheer at, uh, at the kickoff. I mean, everything, tailgating, that, all those first experiences were with them. And I was, like, 10 years old, 11 years old. And uh, that's when the dream really started. Yeah, were you hooked on Georgia at that moment? Oh, yeah. That's where you wanted to go? Yeah, I mean, it was a fantasy, man. Um, every time, like, we had a game and uh, we, I knew there was a Georgia game after that, that was, like, my whole, my whole rest of the day was, like, <laughs> Did Georgia win or lose? If we lose, like, I was devastated, depressed, like, the whole week. If we won, you know, it made life just better. And so I was a kid sitting in his car after a Little League game, listening to Larry Munson and, and dreaming and, and hoping and wishing. And just, like, yeah, that that was everything, man, as, as a kid. Now, was like, your dream to be a running back at Georgia? Oh, yeah. Or just play at Georgia? Yeah, it was, it was to definitely be a running back. One guy stood out to me that – you know, still to this day, we ended up, he ended up taking me under his wing uh, when I got to Georgia. It's Thomas Davis. He's one that, like, made me say, hmm, defense isn't so bad. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I like the way he plays. And, uh, but, yeah, at that time, I, I was, like, hooked on Musa Smith and, um, you know, hooked on guys like Thomas Brown and, you know, and Craig Lumpkin as I moved up. 
But yeah, it, it was just the, the whole mystique of Georgia football and just uh, one day wearing the red and black playing for the, home, for the hometown team. Like, and so much of me was rooted in like family and like um, just, just uh, making everybody around me proud, right? I mean, it wasn't only my family, but my church family. Like everybody who, they, like everybody in my church was like aunties, uncles. And I grew up playing drums in the church. So just making uh, everybody, you know, that was connected to me, my teachers, whoever, uh, proud, man. And just being a part of this family that was bigger. Um, that's what Georgia meant to me. And so having an opportunity to one day play there, it like, it was just something that I dreamed and fantasized about that would almost become like this perfect situation. What I struggle now, you for. never had any dreams of being up on stage as a drummer? Oh, nah. <laughs> I mean, I, I love music, don't get me wrong. Like, that was that was my thing, too. My mom got me playing the piano at uh, eight. So before I even became an athlete, man, I was I was playing the piano. And it uh, calmed me down. And, uh, <laughs> and then drums came. The, the pastor's son, he, he taught me. He's now Lecrae's uh, director of A&R. But, yeah, he, uh, he went to Decula High School. And, um, yeah, he taught me how to play the drums. And When's then, the last time you played? Man, I play. I, I got a whole music room. Oh, I, you do? I play, yeah, so I, I play all the time. All the time? Yeah, I play piano, uh, drums, produce. I play a little bit of guitar. And then I actually played in the orchestra. So when I um, got into like sixth grade, I joined the, the orchestra and played all the way through my junior year of high school. You're making me feel bad now because <laughs> I can't I, do it, any of that. Man. Nah, man, it just, one did it come natural I, to you? It did come natural, man. Like God, God blessed me with the gift of perfect pitch. So... I could just like hear whatever and just like play it. And I still have that ability to this day. So, so not really formal lessons. Uh, I mean, you probably had some lessons, yeah. but. Yeah, I had formal, formal lessons with the piano and then through the drums, I had a little bit of formal. Um, and then orchestra was classical, you know, classically trained through the school system. But yeah, once I um, got more and more serious into football, like I just started develop, developing that skill of just perfect pitch because I didn't really like to practice. So I would. In That's the hard part, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, in orchestra, I would just listen to the person. Like we would have basically auditions where, when you're trying out to move up in a, in a chair, you would have they would go down the line uh, where you would play a certain part. And by the time they get to me, like I'm in the fifth chair or whatever. By the time they get to me, I have it perfectly memorized, and I could just play it without even. It's amazing. Appreciate, it. yeah, man. So it's just one of those things that I developed over time. It started with playing the piano because my piano teacher, he would, he would like, I'll say, okay, can you play this part for me and just so I could hear it? And then once I heard it, I was, I was good. It's amazing the gifts that God gives oh, certain man. people. For sure. Uh, that be able to do that. And I'm jealous. I, I am mm. to have that natural uh, ability. And I go, I know you work at it yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. from that perspective, but there, there's some people that just have that type of ear that you're talking about yeah, uh, yeah. i don't have it i can promise you <laughs> yeah it, it was interesting I'm, I'm still i still think about how that like translate into sports because i know there's like you know something there there has to be yeah like the, that translation just the rhythm the music, just yeah. everything that you're timing like all yes. those all those types of things yeah so i'm, I'm still i know somebody's gonna probably research it one day and be like oh look there's a correlation here between you know uh, music intelligence and, and sports or you know how it relates to performance so speaking of intelligence and you know sports, mm-hmm. a lot of times people talk about quarterback. Obviously, right, is right. that's an intelligent position because mm-hmm. you've got to know the playbook, you've got to read defenses. Right. What about from the defensive side as a linebacker, though? I mean, you're the quarterback right. of the defense. Mm-hmm. How 
challenging is it from a mental aspect of the game? Right, uh, right. And how complex it can be at times. Man, um, yeah, it, it's definitely, a, I'd say it's a different type of intelligence. Yes, you have to be able to know the tendencies and the, the statistics and, you know, be able to recognize formations. But then there's also that instinct, instinctual intelligence where it's like there's certain things you can't coach, like being able to feel, feel out an angle, you know, uh, from a running back that's running XYZ speed, you know, being able to adjust uh, your approach or understanding leverage, like that's something that you can't really teach. It's just one of those things you fill out, but you know when you go against a 6'8", 315-pound <laughs> offensive lineman, like you can't approach him just like you would a wide receiver or a running back. You have to change that, and that, that involves a certain amount of intelligence, uh, intuitive intelligence um, that you, you learn through experience. It's like you either learn or you die. That's right. <laughs> you get dominated. Um, so all, all those little things, man, uh, and I still uncover little things like that on a day-to-day, man, just uh, things that I can take, uh, that I've been able to take uh, from playing linebacker into the business world, some things knowingly, some things unknowingly. Uh, one things I even realize now, the mental toughness piece, being able to handle your emotions, um, being able to bounce back, resilience. You know, everybody in the business world is talking about resilience, uh, agility, um, the ability to adapt to change, change management. Um, all those things are things that we had to do just like that. Like if a, you know, offense comes out in one formation, they motion the guy, boom, you got to adjust just like that, and then halftime, that's change management right That's there. right. Making those adjustments, man. And, and I mean, it's out. play after play yeah. you're having to adjust. Every play, yeah, we're having to adjust. The, and then the constant accountability, you know, that's that's something that's big in the business world. We did that every day. <laughs> Regardless <laughs> if you have, you know, a good game, bad game, you're always constantly uh, doing a performance review every day. What was your favorite game at Georgia? Um, man, my favorite game is uh, definitely the Auburn, UJ Auburn blackout game. I get asked that a lot. That was a, a great win. That was my 19th birthday. So it's just like the oh, it all culminated yeah. Yeah, together, right? The 19th birthday, the fact that we wore the black jersey for the first time. Um, you know, Athens was crazy that night, <laughs> just being honest. <laughs> oh, yes, I imagine. Yeah, I've just, been to Athens a few times. I'm a Clemson grad. Okay, okay. So I, I've been to Athens a few times. Yeah, I know yeah. that place is crazy. Yeah, Athens was nuts. I mean, just, yeah, it was, it was, that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> yeah. So. What about from a perspective in terms of at Georgia, mm-hmm. you're the man, right? Yeah. All-American linebacker, your junior year, the decision to go pro. Yeah, that was one of the toughest decisions of my life, man. Uh, it, it was Yeah, how easy. did you feel going through that whole process? Yeah, that, that was... Uh, one of those situations I had to rely heavily on my faith because you know once your emotions get involved you know you're like man am I gonna let this person down Um, but I gotta help my family my little girl was a year and a half about to be two years old during that time and so I was a father you know so I couldn't just think about myself and uh, what I wanted to do Um, because everything about it was like um, pointing towards the fact that if I come back it's more things that help me. And if I leave, it's more so things that help those around me. So that was something that was extremely tough. If I come back, I'm able to get my degree. I'm a, I become Georgia's all-time leading tackler. You know, I, I potentially could lot raise of my draft side. Yeah, you. like just a lot of things that are about me. If I leave, I can help my daughter. I can help my family, which my, my dad had lost his business at that time. Mom's paying all the bills, all those uh, types of circumstances. So 
really just had to pray about it, man, and, and make the list of pros and cons. And then um, the the answer became pretty clear. Like I, I prayed that prayer where I was just like, God, show me without a doubt. Uh, that was on a Sunday. And then that next day, they fired the whole coaching staff. So I was like, well, there it is. There's the answer. Yeah. <laughs> like, true story. So it, it, it is, it's been a couple situations like that. But that's that's one specifically that I remember where I prayed and it just became clear. And, um, yeah, and it, it changed. Like, the change that happened was so drastic. You know, from going from being a collegiate student being in Athens, you know, that's kind of your bubble that you're operating in. You have a support system that's around you to now you're out on your own. You're now officially an adult. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to adulthood only, quickly. Yeah, yeah. Not only an adult, but you're now a CEO, uh, which is crazy because, you know, all, all of a sudden that system flips where once you have the support system that's there, that's got the itinerary, it's like now you have the ability to create that support system. And you're dealing with people who've been in the game for 15, 20 years in a lot of cases, whether it's an agent or financial advisor or a trainer or whatever it is. And that success or failure rests solely on you and not, you know, somebody holding your hand necessarily. And these guys, they all have their own things going on. Like they're not waiting on you to perform. It's either you show up, you capitalize on this. I'm going to get paid regardless. You know, so it's just a whole different dynamic. And then the perception changes like. Um, and by that, I mean, uh, or there's a perception shift. So the way people perceive you changes. So at 22 years old, I went from college student to breadwinner, you know, for my family. Like, it's really, really crazy. Um, How did you deal with that? Oh, man, I just tried to take it one day at a time. It, it was definitely not easy. And so many people are like, oh, the statistics, the statistics. And I'm like, what do you think is going to happen if you take any college student out of college right now and you put them in a CEO position, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to fail. Like, <laughs> it's common sense. So I had my failures. You know, I had things that I struggled with. As a father, I struggled because of that, of trying to balance being a student athlete, trying to achieve that career, and then still trying to fit it in where I could. I mean, there was just all types of failures, but I learned and I tried to grow and I tried to surround myself with the right people, people who have been through it. Um, and yeah, just just like I said, stay prayed up, man. And when your daughter was born, yeah. was there ever times where you thinking to yourself, or did you say, "Why is this happening to me?" Not to have to have a a child in college. That's, right. I know that's got to be very difficult. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, it, it was definitely difficult for me. It wasn't more so, you know, woes me. Why is this happening to me? But I did have that moment where I'm like, "Dang, I'm 21 years old. I need to live like." My life's over now. So I had that like that panic moment where I was like, all right, I need to I, I mean, my life is over now, so I need to get it in while I can. So I had about three months where I just went. I was like, OK, I'm just going to go downtown. I'm going to have fun. You and I'm gonna see her, yeah, I'm going to see her when I can, but I'm going to I'm going to enjoy it. And then, you know, at the same time, there was always a constant battle. Right. Um, between that, wanting to go downtown and be a college student, just like everybody else around me. And then realizing that, hey, I'm a father, like, I got to step up. And I had no better example than my father. So I had no reason, even though I, that was always pulling me and I struggled for those that span of months, I still always had in the back of my mind, like, you know, my dad showed the perfect example of what it looks like, even though he didn't have his father in his life, he was in my life, you know, so I had no excuse. And I knew what it felt like, like my dad worked so much. Um, and, you know, I appreciate everything he did, but because of his experience of not having his father in his life, 
there was just certain concepts that he didn't fully understand, like spending quality time. Yeah, of course. Love him to death, but it's like... As parents, we get no handbook. Right. You it's don't get hard. a handbook, yeah. And when you haven't experienced certain yes. things... It's Based like, on your childhood experiences, yeah, shape you... All you can do is give the best that you know how to give. And his best was just being there, but it wasn't necessarily quality time playing catch in the backyard and all like i ain't <laughs> 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 uh, even just you know going out for ice cream his his taking me out was like here you go 20 bucks go <laughs> just you know do your thing but that was his best and so i wanted to change that because i knew how it felt and um you know i, I, w- I really wanted to give her that quality experience when important to her and so over time as i matured i changed you know and became a, a, a great father and uh, we have an amazing relationship to this day but it, it definitely took time man just because of i didn't even know who i was yet i bet so yeah it had it, to be difficult like, yeah your, your mind isn't even fully you're just developed. growing as a person right, right? i'm still trying to figure out <laughs> and that exactly <laughs> so yeah it, it was challenging and, and it was very challenging you know just to have the relationship dynamic you know with the mom weren't married things like that but um you know, the, the guilt that came with not fulfilling fully, being able to even give myself fully as a father um, and then still trying to learn myself and all those things, man, that, that I still, um, I, I try to navigate for so long. And, you know, you never become perfect, at, no. I believe, as a parent. It's, it's just one of those day-to-day things you learn and you grow. And, um, you know, you, you just ask for grace. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of that. Yeah, right? a lot of and grace. And did you and her mom try to work things out? Yeah, and- we, we did. We were together through high school and all that. She was the manager. Well, she was, I mean, we go way back. She was the uh, the um, cheerleader on my Little League team, the manager on the football team. Oh, yes, yeah, so way back Yeah, then. water girl on the football team. So, yeah, we're always together. And, um, you know, our relationship just, we tried. But because we grew apart, whatever you want to call it, uh, yeah, it didn't work out. And uh, we're just totally fine. We got a beautiful daughter out of it. And, um, you know, just make the best out of it that we can. Now, yeah. when you're talking about going through that whole that transition in terms of you think you're you know oh my goodness my life is really changing mm-hmm. the way the life that I know is over now right and then you make the decision to all right I'm going to step up now and be a father right was there a defining moment or was it one morning you woke up and said mm-hmm. all right this is it I'm 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 no longer going right. to go down that path I've got to focus on her not it, it wasn't really a defining moment I say it, it was just a journey man because every day at me, as you know, it's just to be a good man out here, it's a daily battle. Because so, you're getting beat down yeah, all the time. You get, you get beat down, and I don't care how tough you are, I don't care how much waste you live, <laughs> how much money you have, like nobody is, is exempt from life. And so it was just a daily battle of trying to make the, the best decision that I could, being a 21, going on 22-year-old, uh, to, to be a father and to not run. And that's what life you know, life will present you with so many of those challenges where it's like you either man up and you either become who you need to be in order to overcome that challenge or you just run and just hide and you avoid and whatnot and, and trade in, you know, who you can be, uh, who you can become for whatever temporary pleasure that you're trying to chase or whatever escape that you're trying to find. So, yeah, for me, it was just like facing those daily challenges and just having to make that decision that, hey, OK. I'm going to work on this. And I was never perfect by any means. You know, I still had those days where I was like, all right, uh, I just played, you know, I just worked like crazy. I'm going to go out tonight. Like, I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, yeah, I got to relax. I need, I need just a, a break. Release. Yeah, I just need a break from life, yeah. man. That, I know. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was tough. And it was just like, man. And how, 
Was it difficult, because I've always been fascinated by this too, yeah. in terms of you're an athlete, as mm-hmm. we mentioned, 100,000 fans cheering right. for you on a Saturday or whatever, and they're expecting you every Saturday to be at oh, yeah. this level, the right. highest level and perform. But you're going through life. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And how challenging was that when you're dealing with struggles at home, right. uh, having a child, and people don't know it. Right. And Man, how are you <laughs> dealing dude, with all so of that? This is something that I'm just now uncovering, you know, as far as how I was able to deal with it. Because I dealt with it. But it's like through the course of that, you develop all types of coping me- uh, mechanisms that you don't even know are there. So basically, how I got through that time <laughs> was I just basically shut off emotions. Like I shut off just that feeling of pain. I shut off that feeling of uh, feeling sorry for myself. I shut off the feeling of like needing sympathy from anybody. I shut it off to get through that because I don't care if it was going through uh, trying to uh, take on an offensive lineman or dealing with my coaches or trying to maintain that performance or trying to balance uh, and then hearing how I sucked as a father because I couldn't be there all the time or whatever it is. There's just so many things. And then like getting in still on top of that, it's having to get in the classroom, try to get my business degree, you know, doing accounting. I'm taking accounting during, the, you know, during the season on top of all that. So I had to, I, I had no time to really think about, oh, you tired today or, oh, you know, you're not feeling like your, your knees a little hurt or you got tendonitis. I had no time for that. You had to almost be robotic. Exactly. Exactly my point. I had to turn myself into a machine. Um, which is sad to say, but it got me, it's what made me perform at such a high level in that time. But it also became so damaging after the fact, like when you talk about building solid relationships and uh, really getting to where you need to be. Because yeah, so, you can't build solid relationships nah, when robotic, when yeah, you're not you're having machine. emotions. Yeah. And I, you know, and you learn how to, how to manage it and, and navigate it to where you can still, you know, have decent relationships and whatnot. But when you get into the core of um, really having meaningful relationships, especially when you talk about, okay, I'm, I'm ready to start a family, I'm ready to get married, I'm ready to be with somebody long-term. Like, that's a challenge when you've been in this uh, conditioned environment for so long. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, one of those things, man. It works, and we can all think of things like that, that work in that given, you know, we develop a, a habit or a mindset that works in that certain given point of time that kind of becomes to our detriment in other areas of our life uh, or when we move on, you know, and it may be that our values change. Like we have a certain set of values here, but then when we move here, our values have to adjust. So all the little things, yeah, um, become part of the dynamic. How has sports helped your growth as a man? Man, I mean, sports, when I think about it, just that constant, uh, constant growth, being in the constant growth mindset, um, when I think about playing linebacker, when I think about the constant accountability uh, and every day what you're trying to uh, accomplish, which involves like looking at that film, getting in the weight room, improving yourself, self-improvement, um, that's, the, that's probably the biggest thing I've taken away from sports is just how you never arrive um, in that environment, especially when you talk about being at the pro level, you know, being at the University of Georgia. The minute you get comfortable, you're done. <laughs> and, uh, and that's yeah. in life, too. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things I take away. And it's not just from the physical standpoint, but it's from the spiritual standpoint, the mental standpoint, uh, all those things. And I coined a phrase, which, you know, it's not really uh, 
anything complex, but just staying in the weight room. And it, that involves, you know, continuing to work on yourself, not only physically, but spiritually, mentally, building the right muscles, um, the muscles of discipline, the muscles of humility, the muscles of, you know, uh, gratitude, uh, all those things, man, and, and staying, continuing to work on it. Because you got to train all of those yeah. just like you do physically, yep. your body. Yep, yep, yep. You got to train all those. The minute that you, you know, get away from it, the minute that you get out of the weight room, you start to regress. You start to become somebody that you don't even recognize. And so, yeah, that's, that's something that I try to live by that I operated by when I was an athlete. Now, I, I'm a big believer in words of wisdom, and that's a great one that you just shared. But yeah. is there any other words of wisdom that you've leaned on over the years? Oh, man. Um, or just life advice or just, you know, something yeah, 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 that has, yeah. you know, shaped you as a person. Oh, man. Um, definitely one of the things that has shaped me is um, like being in those moments of uh, faith building, those faith building moments. I call them our training camp moments in life. This is the time where, like, you know, for football, this is when cameras aren't around. This is when you're going through it. Like, this is the grind. Yeah, the grind. Like, it's that ridiculous, the ridiculous circumstances that you're under before that breakthrough. Um, and for me, that's in life where, like, you're working extremely hard. Nobody's recognizing you. You're not in that place you want to be. Um, and you have to literally go by faith. You have to literally believe that. And if I just keep pushing forward, if I keep making these phone calls, if I keep doing these meetings, <laughs> you know, and I keep approaching it as if that expected end has already happened, that it's only a matter of time. Um, that That's something that has helped me big time because I wasn't the guy who, you know, got to the University of Georgia and was the starter right away. I wasn't the guy who got to the NFL and was um, the starter right away, uh, got cut after my second year. I was the undersized linebacker in my whole entire career. So I literally had to pay my dues I mean, seven, eight weeks at a time and just wait, hope, uh, have faith that if I keep going to this film room, if I keep uh, preparing as if I'm a starter, if I keep going to the weight room after everybody's gone, that somebody's going to notice. <laughs> and that, and sure enough, man, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but it always did. Like, I really believe God honors your sacrifice. Like, when you, you know, um, just put forth that effort, regardless of what man thinks, right? And regardless of what the accolades are, regardless of who acknowledges you, and you just keep your trust in him, like, eventually, it might <laughs> it might take some time. It's not going to happen when you want it to, but it, it happens. It's not always on our timeline. Yeah, and, and that's, like, the story of my life, and that, that's something that I still live by to this day. And it, I've taken it to business. When I became an entrepreneur, is the same thing. Yeah, and, and I was yeah. about to say, now mm-hmm. you're just doing it on another platform with yeah. Game Changer Coaching. Yep. Right? And it's crazy because, like, people see the success now and they're like, oh, you, how are you getting all these speaking engagements? All these, you know, how are you getting all these opportunities <laughs> in these interviews? I'm like, man, you don't know about that training camp moment that I had for about two years where I, you know, I got an opportunity here and there, but I was, like, literally, you know. Trying just, to figure it out? Yeah, trying to figure it out. I was staying up two, three hours working on my website, trying to build it myself, um, you know, on Wix. Shout out to Wix. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Wix. But just like staying up to 3 a.m. trying to figure out how to, you know, put a photo, the right size photo, and, and then, you know, reaching out to a photographer so they can give me a deal on a photo shoot and, you know, talking hustling. to the school. Yeah, just hustling, man. And this is while I was still trying to play football. I was still you know, waiting for eight months on a phone call just to get a workout, you know, after being a third round draft pick. So, yeah, it's it's been real, man. But 
like I say, you keep that trust, keep that faith and that perseverance and things happen. It works out. All works for good, right? That's right. Well, it, it took us over <laughs> a year for you and I to finally sit down yeah. and be able to share some of your story. So mm-hmm. I'm all about the persistence and the faith and just yeah. continuing the grind. And Rennie, I can't thank you enough. Oh, yeah. Thank you, thank man. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yes, Greatly sir. appreciate sure. it. Oh, yeah. For many people, they understand the importance of committing yourself to physical training and being in the best physical shape, even though it's not always easy. But so many of us don't have the same mindset in all other aspects of our life, but it's obvious that Rennie is trying to maintain that mindset of staying in the weight room, not only physically, but also for emotional, mental, and spiritual strength as his own personal CEO during those training camp moments in life. Now that finishes episode 123, and you can also watch some of our episodes by visiting our Rich Take on Sports YouTube channel where you can easily subscribe. And remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit richtakeonsports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.